You are listening to audio from the Rail City campus of CA Church. We are a church fervently committed to bringing the good news to the city of Port Moody. We hope this message helps you grow in your personal relationship with Jesus. Well, very, very, very good morning to you, Port Moody. How is everyone doing this morning? It's so good. Oh my goodness, being in the house of the Lord, being in Port Moody, what a privilege to be joined with you guys here today. My name's John, and I'm one of the pastors at CA Church, and Cam has given me this uh, privilege and opportunity this morning to join you in your journey through what many theologians have called the most influential human document in the history of the world. That's a big statement, but there are many commentators who would say that the impact that Ephesians, Paul's letter to the church in Ephesus had on the church and as a result on human history um, is actually unmatched. And so this is an influential and potent document that we've been working through. Something that grounds us, as you know, who we are in Jesus Christ, and then gives us implications, wisdom, instruction on how to live a life that honors God, how to live a life that brings us into relationship with him, and as a result, brings joy and flourishing and peace into our own lives. And so I'm really excited. I was just even thinking, like, what a blessing to see Cam and Sam up here today. 12 years ago, I walked into a Bible college and I heard this guy singing. I heard someone playing the piano 12 years ago and heard this angelic voice ringing out. And I was like, who is this guy? This is a pop star, man. This guy's voice is off the chain. And then I saw Sam Romine and I was like, I want to be friends with that guy. And I also, I also want to quit music because he's a lot better than I am. But it was so great. And here he is, you know, 12 years later, seeing Sam lead us in worship this morning. I just love godly friendships, you know, what God can do through relationships. And it's just the same thing with Cam, you know. Like 12 years ago, Ethos is this guy like just praying in the foyer, just like, Lord, come to Coquitlam. I'm like, who is this guy? I like this guy's passion. And now to get to see Cam alongside all of you, but I'm serious here, 12 years later, Cam alongside all of you in Port Moody, reaching this city with the hope of Jesus. You're here, part of this community, because you believe that the gospel transforms lives, that Jesus is who he says he is, and following him is the way and the truth and the life. And so to see you all here in Port Moody, reaching this city with the gospel is encouraging to my heart. It's a privilege to be here with you this morning. Guys, can I take you back to a moment in my life? Speaking of, you know, going back in time, um, this was like 2008, which makes me feel really old. But 2008, I was in Belgium, okay? And I'd spent this entire day, like it was like a 16-hour travel journey. I got up in the middle of the night, got on a train, went under the English Channel. I ended up in France. We took some trains and some buses to Belgium. I was just tired. I had this huge camping pack on me. And the reason was because I was going to a music festival, okay? So I arrived at this music festival so tired. And it was a beautiful Belgian sunset. It's the middle of summer. And it's at this festival called Rock Verkta. And it was the perfect night, right? I put my backpack on, left it at my tent, walked towards all these people in a field. And I just saw this whole group of people lying out in a field. And these beautiful harmonies start washing over me. And that was the first time I ever heard the Fleet Foxes. Some of you love the Fleet Foxes. They have these beautiful harmonies. It was 2008. They were just coming onto the scene. And I just, just tired in that moment, but also so excited to be there. Just went. And I laid down with all these Belgian brothers. And I just, <laughs> Belgian sisters were just lying down. 
and the wash of harmonies from Fleet Foxes come over me. The sun's setting. I'm like, this is, this is heaven, man. Like, this is, nothing can get better than this. And then this Belgian dude just like rolls over, you know, rolls over to me, and he just hands me this huge joint, just this like really stanky marijuana cigarette. And he's just like, he's like, dude, you know, you know it's right. You know this is the moment, right? Like, he's like, take it, take it. And I'm like, you know what? In that moment, I actually chose not to. But the reason I bring that up is that today, if that were to happen to statistically the average Canadian, no one would have a problem in that moment with puffing. It, would be, it wouldn't be even be a question. It would be like, sure, why not? Why not? Why not do that? Why, why not partake? Why not take the opportunity to, to, to have a puff, to, to take that marijuana and to enjoy it? In the same way that for many people in this city, it would be super normal. I'm going to go with Cam, grab some dat juice at Twin Sales, you know, have a really nice flight down at Brewer's Row. I'm going to head up onto St. John's, and, you know, we've got that beautiful, bougie-looking bohemian, disti- uh, bohemian dispensary. You guys have seen it. It looks like the most inviting place in the world. They've got succulents in the window. It's freaking, like, it just looks like, I want to go into this place. And, no, like, m- the majority of people statistically in our city would have no problem with that. Grabbing a nice beer, a c- couple of growlers, go pick up a little bag of satvia, come home, you know, just get it going. And, and that's just a normal thing to do now. And celebrated and normal and not a problem at all. And so today, what I want us to do, we have this opportunity in this letter today to address an interesting question. As followers of Jesus, guys, should we be puffing or passing, okay? Should we be partaking or should we be maybe thinking about this a little differently? So today there is an interesting question, not something we'd normally hear on a Sunday morning, and that is to puff or to pass. But I actually think it's an important question. Because it's legal now in our country. And before, you know, many Christians could have said, well, it's illegal in Canada, so we want to obey the laws of the land, and so we're not going to do that, and uh, tell your kids not to do it, and it was an easy no. But now it's legal, and celebrated, and normal, and just a part of what it means to be a human being living our best life in this beautiful city. But as followers of Jesus, we've been called, and Paul's going to show us this today, to walk wisely in everything we do. And so if we have a decision to make, we need to apply wisdom. We need to apply scriptural principles to ask ourselves, is this what we should do as followers of Jesus? Is this the best way for us to honor God with our lives? And so today, the living word, Paul's letter to the church in Ephesus, gives us an opportunity to consider this puff or pass question in light of God's word. Um, We're coming to a point in this letter where he's going to instruct us to think wisely about the way that we walk in all things. And there's going to be a particular focus in the letter today on our relationship with potentially intoxicating substances that we might consider putting in our bodies. And so, before we go any further, would you guys stand with me? We're going to open up God's Word together. We're going to Ephesians chapter 5. We're going to be starting at verse 15, and we're going to dive into this today. This is what the Apostle Paul writes. Look carefully then how you walk. Look carefully, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for this moment together. What a gift that it is to gather as your people. And what a gift that you have given us the inspired word to meet us this morning, that your spirit is in this place. You are a God who speaks. 
And you long to bring us deeper into fellowship and relationship with you. And so, Jesus, that's our hope today, that you would be high and lifted up through all that we do in this school today. And that we would get to encounter more of your truth and have more of our lives reflect who you are, Jesus Christ, in our own lives and to the world. So we thank you that you're here with us. We pray you lead us in this teaching journey this morning. Amen. Amen. Guys, please take a seat. So right from the start, did you see that Paul had some instructions for us here in verse 15? He said to us, Port Moody, people of Rail City, look carefully how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. As followers of Jesus who are being made new in and through the work of Jesus Christ, we are called to think deliberately and intentionally about everything that we are choosing to do with our lives. Do you notice the contrast there? It's unwise to rush in. It's unwise to not consider. It's unwise to just go along in our lives assuming that we're doing the right thing. It's unwise to rush in. But wisdom is to slow down. Wisdom is to consider. Wisdom is to take the time to process, is this the right way to live? And so we don't want to rush in with a topic like this. We want to slow down. We want to take the time to consider how we walk And when we're faced with moral choices, when we're faced with choices, guys, in our lives, what we need to do is bring the weight of Scripture, God's authoritative truth, to bear on those decisions. We need to weigh the counsel of others. We need to weigh the voice of our own consciences. And just because something is legal in the courts of Canada, we recognize as followers of Jesus, that doesn't therefore make it blessed in the eyes of God. And so we need to consider different streams of influence in our lives, the biggest and largest one being scripture to help us discern how we are to live. So guys, I'm going to ask you this morning, can we go on a bit of a journey to do as Paul invites, to look carefully as we walk, not, un- not as unwise, but as wise. And I want to look, as I said, at this question of walking wisely in a particular area, and that's to do with marijuana. It's to do with marijuana. I want to lay my cards on the table right away, right from the beginning, guys, and say this, that I'm coming today from a Christian worldview, and I'm a pastor, and I believe that this is the inspired word of God, that there is a God who's spoken to us, and that my goal in life is to come under the authority of this, to, to, to see my life conformed to how God has revealed his truth to me. And so I just want to say... If you end up in this room being in a completely different place at the end, if you listen to everything I say and you say, I don't agree with a word that that guy says, please don't leave angry today. This is my, this is my hope. If we disagree fundamentally on this, can that be the start of a coffee date between us? Can that be the start of a relationship, like not the thing that pulls us apart? And so if you're in here and you have completely different ways of thinking about this topic, you might not even say that you think this even is the word of God. I don't want you leaving this place thinking that uh, we have to be enemies. I want us to leave, perhaps having had the opportunity to chat or to start a conversation. I'd love to go to Kathy on St. John's, sit down and hear what you have to say. And so I just want to say that right from the beginning. Let's not make this the thing that divides us. I would hope if we disagree, we would have uh, the opportunity to engage in relationship. I also just say this right from the beginning. If you are here and you smoke weed, I love you. And I believe that God loves you. And I'm pumped that you're here today. And I care as a person so much more about who you are than what you smoke, okay? I care so much more about who you are as a person than what you smoke. But I also think that God's word's going to show us today that we should also care about what we smoke. 
And so in a minute, we're going to dive into this area of recreational marijuana. We're going to consider this. We're going to go on a bit of a teaching journey. But before we do that, I want to talk about medicinal marijuana, okay? So we're going to go through a bit of teaching today. There's going to be some quotes. It's going to be a bit of a mixture between a preach and a teach. But I think it's important as we slow down and we consider how we walk, as Paul has invited us to. So firstly, let's just get medicinal marijuana out of the way. I want to mention it because I think it's fair that we see the difference between a medicinal use of marijuana and a recreational use of marijuana, that we see them in different categories. And guys, in the same way that there are many other natural substances that we take for medical reasons under the guidance of medical professionals, I don't see any reason why we shouldn't see that legitimate medical use of marijuana in the same way. For example, if my arm gets blown off in a terrible accident, I'm going to want some opioids in my system under the direction of a surgeon or a medical professional to relieve some of that pain. And there's evidence, though limited, that has shown that many of the chemical properties of marijuana have legitimate therapeutic effects of treating some medical conditions. Guys, I'm not a doctor. I don't have an MD. So don't go away from this with a whole bunch of advice on how to treat whatever you're going through. That's for your doctor who went to school for 10 years, okay? But what I do want to say is this. The under supervision of a medical professional with oversight on dosage and usage, in cases where medicinal marijuana can be of of legitimate medical benefit, I don't see any kind of scriptural principles that would would put that off limits. And so I want to say the beginning today that if medicinal marijuana is something that you are doing within the um, relationship of, you know, professional medical guidance, that's a separate subject from recreational marijuana. Having said that, what I do want to do is just maybe give us a little bit of a reason to pause on some of the claims out there about medicinal marijuana. There's this man named Jason Bussey. He's the co-director for the Center for Medicinal Cannabis Research at McMaster University in Hamilton. Here's what he said. This is the guy who goes out there to find the truth. He's a university prof, brings all the studies together, and he says, I think right now there's a lot more hype than evidence, and there's a lot more enthusiasm for its widespread application than there are good trials to support such expansive use. Some of the things that I've heard that are a little bit more worrisome are on websites from companies producing these products, making claims for almost anything and everything. There's a lot of hyperbole about there, and right now, I think there's a real risk that patients who are desperate because of the limited options they have for their condition are embracing very enthusiastically some of these claims. And so all I want to say in this is that there's a lot of hype out there about medicinal marijuana. It's like, okay, you've broken your ankle, go get a joint. You've got some terrible neurological condition, this is the miracle cure. And you know what, we've probably seen some amazing videos of people who are having you know, tremors from neurological conditions, and marijuana seems to, to fix those things. And that's a beautiful use of, of, of medicine to help someone under the guidance of medical professionals. But... I do want to say that when you start to look into some of the science, some of the claims might not be as potent as they are led to be believed. And so when this was all being legalized in Canada, there was a group of doctors from Alberta who wanted to send out a document on the facts, on what the research shows, to every family doctor in Alberta to help them discern what's the best thing to do for their uh, patients. And they wanted to answer this question, are medical cannabinoids effective for the treatment of pain? This is their summary findings. 
Evidence for inhaled marijuana for pain is too sparse and poor to provide good evidence-based guidance. Synthetic medicinal cannabinoid products may modestly improve neuropathic pain for one in 11 to 14 users, but perhaps not for other pain types. Additionally, longer and larger studies which have better evidence show no effect, whereas the adverse of events are plentiful. Again, I'm not here as your doctor today, and so when it comes to treatments for what you're going through, talk to your medical professionals. But what I did just want to say is, while I think this is in a different category, and we need to apply wisdom, you know, anything that we're going to put into our body, we should be asking questions. We should be taking the time to seek out legitimate advice, people who can help us and walk with us. But while it's in a different category, I do just want to say that even this category as a whole, there's a lot of hype around it. There's a lot of people making a lot of money from getting you to believe certain things about what this can do for you. And so just with everything, any medicine you're going to put into your body, take the time to figure it out. Take the time to ask the right questions and to walk with medical professionals. But I wanted to get that medicinal category out of the way so that we can kind of come to the meat of what I want to talk today about, which is this recreational marijuana. I want to turn our attention to this question, you know, should we, as followers of Jesus, be puffing or passing? You know, sometimes, guys, when it comes to trying to figure out what are we, what are we doing as followers of Jesus, how do we live? You know, the way that we go about that is kind of, we crack open Google on our phones, and it's kind of like, should I this question mark as Christian? Hit it. It's like, alcohol, okay, Christian, question mark. Let's see what Google has to say about this. And we're wanting to find that Bible verse, you know? Sometimes you want to, okay, okay, I want to think about the subject. Um, I'm going to crack open this Bible and look for the verse that says, you know, whoever smoketh the devil's lettuce shall be forever cursed. Is that in here? If it's not in here, I'm green light, right? You know, I'm, I'm looking for that specific command about the specific plant to guide me. Oh, it's not in there? I'm good to go. Let's go. That's the green light. But that's not how scripture works. Could you imagine if the Bible spoke to every single issue specifically that we were ever going to face, any product that we were going to, you know, it was asking the question today, at this day in Port Moody, should I go today to buy this cup of coffee? Well, it would have to be volumes and volumes long. But that's not how the Bible works. We're instructed as Paul was giving us instruction to do today, to walk wisely. And so how we think about our lives is about applying the wisdom of the Bible to different situations. And that's the beautiful thing about the living word, is we can encounter new things. And the wisdom, as we apply it from God's word, helps us to know how to live. And so what we're going to do today is just that, principles of wisdom from the Bible that help us tackle this question of puff or pass. This is how we think Christianly about our lives scriptural principles, principles of wisdom from God's word that help us ground ourselves. So today, I want us to dive into a few scriptural principles, three things that I think will help us tackle this issue together. The first one is this, God has called us to set apart our bodies. This is the first scriptural principle for us today. And so I want to establish this simply from the beginning, guys, that as followers of Jesus, we are called to seriously consider what we do to and with our bodies. This is a really basic point. But I want to say this. We see in the Bible that we have, as Christians, a high view of our physical bodies. You know, it might be tempting to believe sometimes that our real true selves are kind of on the inside of this flesh suit. You know, this is like some flesh suit and the real us is inside and we can do whatever we want to this flesh suit. But that's not the view of the, the body that we get from the Bible. We actually see that to be human is to be embodied. 
Okay, our bodies are not some separate part of us. We are, as human beings, embodied creatures. And my inner self and my body are both beautiful gifts from God made in his image. And so we don't have this separation of the true inner self and then this body. We are embodied creatures. And so as a result of that, we see in the Bible that if we're going to do anything with our bodies, if we're going to do anything to our bodies, we really need to think carefully about that. These aren't, these aren't things that we're supposed to be... Um, you know, uh, taking lightly. We, we're, to, we're to honor our bodies. Let me read from, from Paul in 1 Corinthians 6. He says this, the body is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. And he goes on to finish his thought by saying, do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify, listen to this, glorify God in your bodies. Friends, I want us to see this morning that the consistent teaching of Scripture is that our physical bodies are a gift from God. They're a God-given gift, and they can't be separated from who we are. We are our bodies as embodied human beings. And what Paul is saying that is, for those who are in Christ Jesus, our whole selves, including our physical bodies, are to be set apart for a purpose. And what is that purpose? To bring glory to the God who gave us these bodies as a gift. And so there is, a, there is a, a direction that we are supposed to be working towards in our lives where all things are concerned, where we are asking ourselves, is what I'm doing to and with my physical body bringing glory to God? I want that to become a normal part of the way that we think about our body. Is what I'm doing to and with my body bringing glory to God? A helpful way to think about what does that even mean? What does it mean to bring glory to God? It's, a, it's an act of worship. Is what I'm doing with my body and to my body declaring to the world that Jesus is precious and beautiful? Is what I'm doing to and with my body declaring to the world that Jesus is beautiful and precious? This has implications for our lives, guys, because we start to realize that what I believe about who I am in Christ is to actually shape every part of my life. And the the way that I'm called to think about my body, the way that I'm called to think about what I'm putting in it, what I'm doing with it, how I'm treating it, has implications for what I believe. And so if I believe that Jesus is the most treasured thing in the world, then we're seeing that God has given us our bodies to be set apart towards that end, to declare in our lives through what we're doing that he is most precious. We're to glorify God in our bodies. And so guys, just really quickly, we can't go through all the implications of that, but just quickly think with me, whether it's the person that we're uniting our body with physically in sex, or it's the burger or chicken wings that we're stuffing down into our tummies, or it's the images and the entertainment that we're filling our brain cells with, or it's the substances we're inhaling, drinking, ingesting, or injecting, all of these things we're doing with and to our bodies must be filtered through this reality that our bodies are a gift, And they've been given to us by God to bring him honor and glory. And so in all things that we're doing, body related, we need to have this question. Is this bringing glory to God? In other words, is this making Jesus more precious to me and showing him to be more precious to the world? So if you're here and you're like, why would a Christian even ask this question about weed? What is this guy talking about? Well, we believe our bodies are a gift. We believe that they're important and they are God-given. And they're not separate from who we are. And so we've been given our bodies to worship God. 
So guys, here's a key question for us in this whole part. Does recreational marijuana use make Jesus more precious to us and to those around us? Because those are the implications of what it means to be embodied. God has given us our bodies, and we need to think through this question. Does recreational marijuana use make Jesus more precious to us and to those around us? Well, I think there's a second principle I want to lean into that helps us explore that question. Here's our second principle today, everyone. You ready? We are called as followers of Jesus to set apart our minds, to set apart our minds. So guys, here we land firmly in the text that we just read today. And throughout the Bible, there are many commands, many imperatives to refrain from drunkenness, okay? We saw that here, right here in Ephesians 5. What did Paul, he says, he says, this is an implication. When you're thinking about walking wisely, what is one of those wise ways? Do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. The Bible's really clear that when it comes to alcohol, drunkenness is, is a no-go. That, that is not something that brings honor and glory to God. And in a few minutes, we're going to see why. It's not that God's just a party pooper who's like, yeah, you know, it's, it's not that. There's, there's serious implications that I want us to see. But before we go there, I have to say this. In the Bible, in the Word of God, we do see a legitimate use of alcohol that brings glory to God. And so we need to understand that. There is a legitimate use of alcohol, biblically, that is God-glorifying. So let's dive into that a little bit. This is what Psalm 104 says. This is a moment of praise, and the psalmist says, You cause the grass to grow for the livestock and plants for man to cultivate, that he may bring forth food from the earth and wine to gladden the heart of man. Some of you are like, you know, you've got a nice cab sav, you know, you're just sitting there, you drink a little bit of that wine, and in that moment you say, this is gladdening my heart. This is a beautiful thing. The taste of a good vintage of wine, the taste of a good dat juice down at Twin Sales. I think you, some of you can agree with me that that in that moment, that taste, that experience, yeah, it gladdens the heart of men. Jesus' first miracle was at a party. He shows up and the wine is, uh, is running out. And instead of saying, good, I'm so glad it's done, you terrible people, how dare you drink wine, you filthy people. No, he's like, well, just watch this. And he turns water into what I'm going to assume is probably the best wine in the history of humanity. If God is making wine, I mean, some of you have tasted what, like, human beings, limited human beings can do with grapes. Imagine what Jesus could do with a grape, okay? Like, I'm just saying. So, so God, God is not expressly against drinking wine or alcohol, but what the Bible does say is that if you're ingesting or using alcohol in a way that it's leading to drunkenness or intoxication, then that, that's not the appropriate use for it. And so that's a whole another thing, but I just want to say the Bible is okay with drinking some alcohol, but what it's not okay with is when that alcohol starts to intoxicate the way that you're thinking and acting. When you get intoxicated, that's when we're going into this area that Paul is saying, hey guys, don't do that. So there's a question for us today. It's going to be up here on the screen. It's a bit of a funny question, but I hope you can understand why I'm asking it. Is the biblically sanctioned, non-intoxicating use of alcohol comparable to the use of recreational marijuana? Okay, what do I mean by that? If the Bible says there's some appropriate uses of alcohol, for example, drinking wine, not to the point of being intoxicated, does that mean that there is some use of marijuana that should be understood in the same way? I think it's a fair question. Okay, God's okay with a glass of wine. Is he okay with a joint? Let's figure that out. It's important. There's a pastor named Joe Carter, okay? He's from Virginia. He's a wise guy. And uh, I've got a few chunky quotes coming up, and I want to read these to you. But he's really helping us to understand this, even scientifically. So you didn't know this morning, walking into Port Moody, uh, that you were going to have some scientific information on what alcohol does to your body. 
but get ready, here it comes. A person can consume small quantities of alcohol without any intention of becoming intoxicated. Can a person consume small quantities of marijuana without any intention of becoming intoxicated? To answer the question, we must determine the average quantity of the drug alcohol or marijuana, sorry, marijuana needed to produce the impaired state. For alcohol, the unit of measure is the standard drink. That is any drink that contains about 14 grams of pure alcohol, about 0.6 fluid ounces, or 1.2 tablespoons. A standard drink is conventionally defined as the alcohol content of 12 ounces of 5% beer, most of our beer nowadays in Port Moody is a lot stronger than 5%, anyway, or five ounces of 12% alcohol wine, or an ounce and a half, a shot of 40% alcohol. In most US states, the legally defined level of intoxication typically occurs depending on pacing after four drinks for an average-sized woman or five for an average-sized man. I would probably guess that for most of us in the room, it's a lot lower than that for intoxication to take place. For marijuana, however, a much lower dosage is needed to induce a state of intoxication. Studies show that intoxication occurs at the ingestion of less than seven milligrams of THC which is the psychoactive ingredient in marijuana. It's effectively approximately equivalent to about four puffs of a marijuana cigarette. If the purpose of consuming the marijuana was for nourishment and taste, we would need only to eat an amount that would not cause the intoxicating effect, about 200 milligrams of marijuana. In theory then, it could be possible to ingest marijuana with no sinful intentions, but of course, in almost all cases, the recreational use of marijuana is done with the intention of achieving some level of intoxication. And if the intent of that use of marijuana is to achieve intoxication, then we need to question that motive and action. Because the point that he's making is that the difference between alcohol and marijuana in the Bible is this. The Bible says, some alcohol is okay, and that's obviously going to be an individual thing to figure out. Hello. We're all good. The Bible's saying some alcohol is okay, but if it gets you to the point of intoxication, then it's not going to be okay. One sec. We're going to be all right. I'm just going to put it in like that. Yeah, I've, I've, I've tightened it up. I think it's this one. Are we dead? Okay, one sec. Okay, okay, we're gonna, I'll, I'll keep that there, but I think we're going to be okay. So this is what I'm saying. The difference is this. The Bible says when it comes to alcohol, it's okay up until the point of intoxication. Don't get drunk. The difference with weed is that the purpose of engaging with recreational marijuana is to become intoxicated, is, is to become high, is to enter an altered mind state. And so they're not really comparable in those ways. And so we can't really see it the same way. To, to say that smoking weed recreationally is the same as having a glass of wine, we just can't make that case biblically. But what I want to see, guys, what I want us to lean into now is that the Bible doesn't just come and come along. As I said, God is this divine party pooper saying, I don't like people who get drunk. That's not what it's about. Do you see that Paul here said, don't get drunk, but there was a, there was a beautiful other side of that, which is be filled with the Spirit. And in the other places in the world where we see alcohol being mentioned, it's not just about not being drunk. It's about pursuing the other reality, which is being sober-minded. And I wanted to lean into this because this is so important as we consider this, this, this principle today. So the Bible says in many, many places, be sober-minded. That's what Paul says in 1 Thessalonians. Again, in Titus 2, guys, be self-controlled, be sober-minded. In 1 Peter 4, 7, be self-controlled, be, self, be, be sober-minded. And these passages are all coming with this idea 
that as Christians, one of the things that is to guide our life, that we are to pursue, is having clear and sober-minded thinking about all things in our life. That there is something valuable about being in control of our thought processes, in control of our actions. And what we see is this idea that intoxication takes us away from a God-given gift of being able to be in control and to think rightly and to act rightly. And we should see it as a gift to be in control of our thoughts and in control of our actions. And the problem with drunkenness that the Bible is saying is, is not, you know, again, it's not about God just arbitrarily saying this. He's saying that when you're intoxicated, you are losing something valuable. You're losing something valuable which is that ability to think and reason rightly. And we know this. If, if any of you have ever been in that place of intoxication, you lose a sense of who you truly are. You lose a sense of, of the, the rational kind of decision-making that you would normally have, which is why we obviously see when people are high or they're drunk, often doing very foolish things that they would otherwise not do. And I think one of the things that we're trying to see in Scripture, and I want to encourage you guys to see today, is this, that as Christians in the world, it's already so difficult. We are bombarded every single day with a worldview counter to that of Jesus. And out there every single day, there is a war going on for our minds. There's a war going on for what we hold to be precious in our heart. There are so many things crying out for our worship and adoration. And we're called to follow Jesus. And if we're honest, that's difficult enough on a day where we're sober-minded. And I think what Paul is trying to encourage us to see here is that we don't want to hinder our ability to engage with the world as it truly is. We don't want to hinder our ability to stand firm on who God is and who we are. And so I think it's really important, guys, again, as we think about this, as we think about intoxication, the reason that Scripture often says don't go there is because as Christians, one of the things that God has called us to value is to be able to rightly engage with the world to have self-control. And anything that gets in the way of that isn't the way of wisdom. Not only this, but look what Paul says, guys. Look back to our passage in Ephesians 5. He says, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. And listen to this. This is such an interesting thing he says. Making the best use of the time. Part of walking in wisdom is to make the best use of the time. And what I think Paul's starting to get at here is that, guys, we've got to remember that as followers of Jesus, we've been given over to kingdom purposes. We've been given over to kingdom work. And some of you in here, God has called you to be husbands and wives and fathers and friends and neighbors. God has called us to beautiful, really wonderful work of bringing the love of God to our neighbors, bringing the love of God into our daily lives. Some of you are working at cafes. God has called you to bring the kingdom of God into that cafe. I think what Paul's trying to say here is that to be drunk or to be intoxicated actually hinders us from being present in that moment to be who God has called us to be. That being intoxicated takes us away from our God-given purpose and placement to do in that moment what God wants us to do. I was talking with a pastor who I have so much respect for, and I know they don't drink any alcohol, and I asked them why. And he said early on in his career, he got those calls at 11 o'clock at night, and he still gets them. 11 o'clock at night, where someone calls and says, Pastor, my brother's in the hospital. He's dying. Can you come? Can you pray? Or he gets that call saying, this terrible thing's happened. I need some help. Could you come? Could you be present? And the last thing that he wants to do in that moment is be the third brewery deep on Brewer's Row, enjoying that last pint of Yellow Dog Paler, which probably tastes amazing. But he's going, you know what? Like, 
I can't. I can't go and pray. I can't in that moment go. I can't drive there, let alone in that moment be a conduit for God's grace because I'm not in control of of what I'm going to say or what I'm going to be able to do. And so he wants to put himself in a place. He's setting apart his mind, which is this gift from God. He's setting apart his body so that in that moment, at all times, he can be open and available, okay, for God to use him in a profound way. And so I would just say this, you know, part of what Paul is trying to say is that as Christians, when we're thinking about, are we going to do something or not? Is this going to help us to engage with the world as it truly is? Is it going to help us set our lives on Jesus? Is it going to engage us more with kingdom work or is it going to be a hindrance to that? These are the sorts of things that we need to be thinking of. I think he's saying, guys, don't be three breweries deep on Brewers Row if it's going to remove you from your ability to be present as a neighbor, present as a father, present as present as a follower of Jesus, committed to kingdom work. I just want to quickly look at what does we do to the brain? What does THC actually do and ask us, okay, in our pursuit of sober-mindedness, is this what marijuana is going to do for us? Well, let's just read what this the scientific definition from the U.S. government says. When a person smokes marijuana, THC quickly passes from the lungs into the bloodstream. The blood carries the chemical to the brain and other organs throughout the body. The body absorbs THC more slowly when the person eats or drinks it. In that case, they generally feel the effects after 30 minutes to an hour. THC acts on specific brain cell receptors that ordinarily react to natural THC-like chemicals. These natural chemicals play a role in normal brain function, but marijuana overactivates, overactivates parts of the brain that contain the highest number of these receptors. This causes the high that people feel. Other effects include altered senses, for example, seeing brighter colors, an altered sense of time, changes in mood, impaired body movement, difficulty with thinking and problem solving, impaired memory at higher doses, hallucinations at higher doses, and delusions when taken at higher doses. And we don't have time this morning to go into some of the scientific evidence on what happens when young brains are being formed. Teenage brains are being formed and they just get this, this assault of THC on a daily basis. I'll just quickly say it's not, it's not good. This is what Kevin Van Hooser, a theologian, says. Marijuana clouds our ability to perceive the world clearly and it dulls our sense of urgency about what disciples should be doing. Can I say that again? Marijuana clouds our ability to perceive the world clearly and dulls our sense of urgency about what disciples should be doing. So let me summarize this whole point, guys, to come back to this. So we're recognizing God has given us our bodies, and we need to think of them as a gift set apart for the things of God. They're to be used to make Jesus more precious to us and to the world. One of the ways we can think about that, are we going to do that? Well, God has called us to set apart our Minds And what does that mean? Well, to pursue sobriety, to be able to reason and act and think rightly with the world. And the reason the Bible leads us away from being intoxicated is because it robs us from that God-given purpose in the moment to be a conduit of his love, a conduit of his grace. And as you know, it's so difficult already with so many distractions in our lives to follow Jesus, to give him honor and glory in our lives. And if there's something that's going to place us in a state which puts that at risk, well, that's not what we're being called to as, as followers of Jesus. But God's called us to set apart our minds, to pursue sobriety, to be able to rightly engage with the world. 
what I want to do as we close, guys, is, is hit one last principle. We looked at setting apart our bodies. We've looked at setting apart our minds. What I want to do as we close is, is talk about this, what it means to set apart our lives. Guys, I think there's a familiar temptation that can creep into our lives as Christians, and it's this, to pursue a bar of minimal righteousness. What I mean by that is to kind of try and figure out, okay, let's, let's get down to the facts. How much do I actually need to tithe? Let's figure it out. Like, how many beers is, is like, actually okay? Or, like, you know, how many, okay, so John said something about four puffs earlier. Does that mean two are okay? Like, I'm, I'm just trying to figure out this lowest bar. What is the kind of life that I need to live so that God's going to give me that tick, he's going to welcome me in, and he's going to say, well done, Cameron. You just squeaked in there, buddy, you know? Like, but this is a familiar temptation, and we actually can even come up with loopholes. Like, I'm not even joking. I have come up in my life with loopholes around some of the commandments of God. For example, don't get drunk on wine. Didn't say gin. Okay, I'm off. I'm going. Like, <laughs> let's just, you know, let's just go. I mean, but seriously, though, we can get into this idea, which is this, guys. It's based on this terrible idea that somehow God is going to give us this rule sheet. And he just wants us to tick the boxes so that if we tick enough boxes, God's finally going to be happy with us and he's going to let us in. He's just an angry God who wants us to do the rules so that we'll get in. I just want to say how far away that is from the vision of what it means to follow Jesus. Do you know why God gives us commandments? Because they lead us to our deepest joys. They protect us from things that harm us in the long run and they lead us to what it means to be fully human. And so I want you to know this. Do you know who is the most concerned being in the entire universe about you living a joy-filled life? It's God. God is concerned with our joy. And I want to tell you that ultimately he will welcome us into heaven where he will be our joy forevermore. Okay? God is a joy-filled God. And so he's not this guy who's just trying to keep us from the good things long enough so that, yeah, he'll be happy with us. No. Which is what I want to say, guys, when we end this, is this. Far from having to live a life of constant denial from the good things, we've been given access through Jesus to the absolute best, greatest, deepest, richest, most unfathomable, never-ending blessings of God. We've not just been saved from our sin, but we've been saved to a relationship with God. And it is in God that we find our joy. It is in God that we find our peace. It is in God that we find our life. Got to end with some C.S. Lewis today, guys. What is a sermon without a little sprinkling of C.S. Lewis? It would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We're half-hearted creatures fooling around with drink and sex and weed. He didn't say that. I'm adding it. Um, ambition. When infinite joy is offered to us, like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. We are far too easily pleased. That's what I want to say is this. I want to say today that God is inviting us into a relationship with him where the result is to be so excited and enthralled with all that he has to offer within himself that the high of smoking weed would seem incomplete insignificant in comparison. The temporary relief of anxiety that it brings will be bankrupted by the peace that being wrapped up in Christ brings, and that the escape from this world would pale in comparison to having the Spirit bring His illuminating truth to see reality as it truly is. Guys, Jesus has come to give us a new heart, one that is alive to the things of God. And what I want to say this as we end, this whole idea of setting our lives apart 
The goal of the Christian life isn't one of minimal righteousness. The goal of the Christian life is experiencing the full and undistorted reality of the glory of God in our lives. There's a man named Sam Storms. He's a great theologian. He says this. He says, when we ask this question of weed, we often ask the wrong questions. We often ask, what's wrong with it? Why shouldn't I? How far can I go and still not sin? But perhaps we should ask, will it promote the cause of Christ? Will this activity lead me and others to treasure Jesus above all? Will it help me to fight the fight of faith with greater success? Will it sharpen and intensify my knowledge of Jesus and my commitment to glorify him in all things? Asking those questions may well elicit a different answer from the one we typically hear. Jesus said, guys, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure in the field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and in his joy, he went and sold it, all that he had, and he bought this field. Guys, the most precious thing in our life is Jesus Christ. The most precious thing in our lives is Jesus Christ. And we're called and invited. If anything is going to hinder us from knowing him more or getting more of his glory, more Jesus in our life, then it's something that scripture invites us to lay aside. Because in laying it aside, we get more of the true thing, which is Jesus himself. I want to say this. The living God has something better for us today, friends, than the temporary high that comes from a plant. I really believe that. I really believe that, that whoever you are in this room, the living God has something better for you in himself, in a relationship with him, than the temporary high that comes from a plant. Can I just say here, that if you're here today and you're regularly heading to places of intoxication with alcohol, weed, or other substances, God loves you. And that in him, there's a hope and there's a healing that no substance on this planet can bring. God isn't indifferent to the pain and the trauma that may be leading you to disengage with this world, to try and take the edge off. But can I just say, I want to encourage you this morning, we don't have to run to intoxication to escape. We can come to Jesus, the one who died on our behalf, the one who offers forgiveness, the one who offers eternal life with him. Guys, I've seen people, even in this room today, who have been set free from addictions to substances. They've found the living God, and they've realized that the hope and the joy that they find in him can transform their lives. They're sitting in this room today. I've shaken the hands of them, and I'm so glad that they're here this morning. And I just want to let you know, if you're getting high to search for something, Jesus says, he's the way, the truth, and the life. If you're getting high to run from something, Jesus says, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and he will give you the rest. Jesus is better than weed. A life lived with God is better than the temporary high of an intoxicating substance. That's what I want us to land on today. And if you're struggling, if you're wrestling, you're welcome here. And I want you to come to see that Jesus loves you. He can offer you life, hope, and forgiveness and freedom, things that you cannot find in a temporary high from a plant. So this morning, guys, can we do as Paul instructed us? Can we look at our lives and think wisely about the way that we walk, to consider carefully how we are choosing to live our lives? Let us consider that God has called us to set apart our bodies, to use them, to see Jesus made more precious to us and to the world. 
which involves the setting apart of our minds and sobriety to cherish and foster our ability to think rightly about all things and to be ready to seize every moment that God gives us to act in love in the world. And finally, to be continually laying aside anything that could potentially cause us to miss out from experiencing more of the fullness of Jesus, our Lord and Savior in our lives. In light of those things, guys, in light of those three scriptural principles of setting apart body, mind, and lives, I can't this morning in good conscience recommend that for those who are in Christ Jesus, that we should puff rather than pass. But please remember what I said in the beginning. If you disagree with me today, if you're sitting there just so mad at everything I just said, can you come talk to me? And if you can't, if that's too hard, send me an email and uh, we'll, we'll get talking about this. We'll get dialoguing about this because I, I, I want I wanna, this to be an invitation to relationship and dialogue, not the end of a conversation for you. And if you're just checking out church for the first time, you're thinking, whoa, like, what just happened? They were talking about weed. They were talking, like, I don't even know what happened. I just want to say you're welcome here. I really, that's what I want to say. Like, I'm, I'm really glad you're here. And, and I believe what I just said here today, which is I believe that Jesus can transform your life. And I want to encourage you to stick around in this community to discover and encounter the living God who is Jesus. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for this time, for this moment. God, we thank you that you are better than a substance. You are better than a plant. God, we recognize that in you there are eternal joys that will never end and never fade. We look at eternity and we realize that evermore we will have an increasing joy that goes on and on and on and never fades. It's never restricted by having enough money to buy it. It's never restricted by not being able to have access to it. No, Lord, we have your spirit and you go with us. So God, I want to pray that you would help us to, to think wisely. God, even let this be an, an opportunity for us to consider our relationship with alcohol as well. Lord, it can be so easy to, to treat that lightly in our lives as well. And, and I just pray that you would lead me and, and the rest of this room to honor you, to set our bodies apart, to set our minds apart, to set our lives apart. We want to be people who are engaged in the city of Port Moody to bring the kingdom wherever you lead us. Help us to run from anything that could hinder that. God, we want our lives to be glorifying to you to point others to how beautiful and precious you are. So Jesus, thank you. And for those here, Lord, who are wrestling and struggling and trying to process this, Lord, I just pray that you would meet them today and in your kindness, you would just uh, help them to feel welcome, that they would know that you are a God who loves them, that you are a God who is here with them and for them, and that they would come to experience you as their true joy. God, we thank you. In your name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message. If you've been listening to our sermons, but you're not a part of a church community, we would love to have you join us. You can go to cachurch.ca slash rail city to find out more information about getting involved in the life and mission of the Rail City campus of CA Church.